One of the other interesting observations she made was that life is essentially a cycle of falling apart and coming together, falling apart and coming together. And it is this falling apart that we seek to avoid because it's painful. And yet it's this falling apart that creates the space for us to come together more whole, more aligned, more authentic than before. Welcome to the 40th episode of the Leader Rising podcast, and the first episode in our second season. So it's been about two months since we were last together here, and a lot's happened. We had a second kid. We moved in with in-laws. We moved back. We went back to daycare. We got sick. We got better. Someone else got sick. We got better. And I'm reminded of my grade 12 class on world religions, where I learned about Buddhism. And one of the central premises of Buddhism, which is life is suffering. Just because even as this is wonderful, like I've wanted to be a dad my whole life, even as it's wonderful, it doesn't make it any less hard when you're in the middle of it, especially when we're sick and no one's at daycare. And it reminds me of a dinner that I had a while back. I was probably a third or fourth year lawyer. I get home after work. I was living with my sister at the time and she had one of her friends over. And I joined them for dinner. We sit down and we're talking and the friend is telling us about how her father uh, had converted to Buddhism and she had essentially been raised by a Buddhist father. And so she would get home from school and be like, I was being bullied today. And her dad would say, well, what's the first noble truth? Life is suffering. Dad, they took my lunch money today. Well, life is suffering. And we had a good laugh about it, but she did say it was tough at the time, but prepared her well for adulthood. And then she felt very even keeled in the middle of the rigors of articling. And it was a conversation that stuck with me. And I find myself thinking about it now, as I've been reading the book, When Things Fall Apart, by Pema Chodron. And she is basically a Buddhist teacher. There's a lot of Buddhist teachings in the book, unsurprisingly. Now, it's actually been incredibly useful for me over the past month when things have been tough. And I would say, and it's possible others might disagree with me on this, but I would say that the central premise of the book is accepting what is. So not trying to change what is, but accepting it as your default state. She says, we are not trying to solve a problem. We are not striving to make pain go away or to become a better person. In fact, we are giving up control altogether and letting concepts and ideals fall apart. One of the other interesting observations she made was that life is essentially a cycle of falling apart and coming together, falling apart and coming together. And it is this falling apart that we seek to avoid because it's painful. And yet it's this falling apart that creates the space for us to come together more whole, more aligned, more authentic than before, more in touch than before. So I want to talk a little bit about what this means for me. One of the things she says is, when it hurts so bad, it's because I'm hanging on so tight. 
And this has really resonated with me. I think that in particular, having just one older child, I was able to get into a routine and I like routines. And so I held tightly to the idea of my life looking like this. And when all of a sudden you have two and when all of a sudden one of them's younger and when all of a sudden you're in a pandemic and a, a runny nose means you can't go to daycare, life starts to look differently and, and we don't have as much control over it. And so this has been a, a real opportunity for me to stop holding on so tightly. And that is an example of how my day goes, but it's about more than that, right? It's about how my life goes, about how my business is built, about how I am as a dad. When, when he spills something, do I get mad because now we have to clean it up and now we're gonna be even later for daycare? Or do I just not hold tightly to an expectation of how things will look? and just roll with it. I'll tell you that I'm getting better at seeing symptoms. I don't know if you've heard the expression, it's hard to read the label when your head is inside the jar. And that expression is used to explain why it helps to talk with someone, whether it's a coach or a therapist, it helps to talk with someone else who has an outside perspective and can see what's going on. And all of this is true, and I have my supports. In addition, I find that because I do this work, I start to notice the symptoms more. So yeah, my head may be stuck in the jar, but I can see the way that it's reacting with the outside world. For example, the other day I was talking with a colleague at work who was giving me praise about something that I'd done. And I noticed that I was brushing off the praise. And I know at the same time that had it been criticism, I would have held tightly. And this is a symptom of a negative view, right? We all have a confirmation bias. And so I realized in the moment, just because of recognizing the symptoms, that what I was doing was looking for negative information to confirm my bias, which means that my bias must have been negative at the time. And it's helpful to realize that. Someone said to me recently, don't believe everything you think. And this was a great example for me to know. And, oh, it's just one of those moods. Don't believe it. It'll pass. And it did. Another thing I noticed with my son is blaming. When something goes wrong, there needs to be a scapegoat. Now this, Brene Brown talks about this in the work context in Dare to Lead. She says that blaming at work, where there always needs to be someone who's responsible, is a symptom of a shame culture. And so I noticed it when my son needs to blame things. And and, you know, there's a limited number of places he can get this from. Yeah, maybe it's from daycare, but maybe it's from me. And so I've been trying to do my best to not hold on so tightly and to just go with the flow and not worry about the little things. There's this advice that I've always loved. I think it was said in the work context where some executive had said, life got a lot better for me once I told myself not to sweat the small stuff. And... Once I told myself that pretty much everything is a small thing. So anyway, that's my personal journey to be holding on less tightly. I'll keep you updated as to how it goes. In the two months I've took off from creating the podcast, I've been doing a lot of great reading, not just when things fall apart, but also The Conscious Parent by Shefali Tsaburi about how what we see in our kids that bothers us is actually a reflection 
of our own selves. And the book Transcend by Scott Barry Kaufman, which takes Maslow's hierarchy of needs and updates it for the 21st century. So a lot of great stuff coming. Thanks for sticking around. I've got two questions for you before you leave. One is, if you can think of one person who would benefit from hearing this episode, would you please send it to him or her? And my second question is inspired by James Clear. What do you actually want? Until next time, dream big, live bigger. Peace.